Please turn your Bible to Romans chapter 7. We've been traveling through this study on the exchange life, and we kind of have crested the hill and are starting down the other side. And that doesn't mean it's going to be an easy and unbumpy ride. Um, it just means that uh, we've crossed the midway point. As we talked about over the last two, three weeks about our sin nature actually being dead and gone, it begs the question for us of why we still struggle. You know, there's things we struggle with in life. You know, when you think about it, when you're young, we struggle with shoe tying. Right? Yep, I did too. We struggle with shoe tying, and then we, as we get going, we kind of struggle with classes in school. Did anybody struggle with certain classes in school? Yeah. And then we move forward, and we start to struggle with people. Anybody here ever struggle with some people? And all the people said, amen. amen. All right. You know, it's bad enough when we struggle, but it's worse when we're struggling and we're confused about why. Why am I struggling with this? I don't understand that. Why am I going through this? And so today we're going to be discussing understanding the struggle. We are going to answer that question that keeps us from believing that which we've already laid down. And so we're going to pick up one of the most interesting and one of the, uh, the uh, passages of Scripture that I have, I have listened to and heard and can be a tongue twister if you read it too quickly. And so we are going to start in Romans uh, chapter 7, verse 14 through verse 25. But I find this one of the most freeing and enlightening passages in Scripture. So let's watch how this plays out. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For I am doing, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do the good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Woo! Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... Your word, and Father, we thank you that it is clear, that it speaks to us 
uh, exactly where we are. And Father, I pray this morning that you will speak to us, that you give us an understanding of what's happening here. And Father, the, the truth is we're all familiar with it. We've just never seen it put into words. We've struggled with it and didn't understand why. And hopefully today we pray that you will move in our hearts and minds and that we'll see what your word actually says. Thank you for what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning as we go through this on understanding the struggle, we're going to see the dilemma that we face. We're going to see the source of our sin and then we're going to see the principle within. That's how this is going to break down and you'll see how this all works together. So Paul, as we look at the dilemma we face, Paul begins to lay out the source of our dilemma. And he tells us from the very beginning that the law is spiritual. Listen, all of God's word was given to us for our benefit. It's not, you know, we, we talk about, well, that's the law and we didn't live in an age of grace. Or we sometimes will uh, say, well, the Old Testament, that, that was not really for me. Well, Jesus said that he didn't do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. And in him, we will also fulfill it. As we surrender to him, he's never going to lead us to do something that contradicts his word from Genesis to Revelation. And so that's how we fulfill it. But the law itself is spiritual. But he says this, Paul says this about himself. He says, I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. And therein is where we struggle. We believe that we're sold into bondage to sin, that we're guaranteed that we cannot escape the sin that we struggle with, or we're just going to do it, so we may as well accept it. I want you to know that is categorically false according to the Word of God. You are not predisposed to sin once you are in Christ. We are before Christ. You can't help yourself. It's just who you are. And so we accept that as who we are. But then when we get it, we become a brand new creation in Christ, completely set free from that, we don't just accept that as who we are. How can we accept the one and not the other? What he's talking about here is there is a struggle that's going on that he cannot escape. And the struggle is this. He has a fallen body. His physical flesh. We don't exist apart from our flesh, right? Right now, anyway. And he is trapped inside his body. He can't just teleport and leave this flesh behind and still exist. And so that's the trapping. It's not the trap to sin that's guaranteed sin. It's being trapped inside a body that's unredeemed, that still wants to sin. That's the dilemma. And so he begins, he, he describes that here. And then he begins to address, he moves from there to behavior. And this is the application of the dilemma. This is what's going on in these verses where he says, you know, I want to do and I don't want to do and I don't do the thing I want to do. And we go, what is he talking about, right? That's kind of how, we, we, even when we read it slow, that's kind of how we hear it in our mind, right? And some of us said, 
I guess all of us sit in it. All right. He begins to address the behavior. He said, I don't know what I'm doing. Confusion. Why do, in other words, why do I keep doing this? You ever wonder why Christians even still choose sin at all? Knowing what we know about Christ, knowing what the cost of it was, knowing that he did all that for us because he loves us, knowing that his own blood was shed and it wasn't the little trickle you see in the picture. They said you couldn't even tell he was a man when he was hanging on the cross because he loves us. How can we, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. If we really understand, we have such a pretty cleaned up Jesus today. Jesus, man, I'm going to tell you, you want to know this? This is the fact. The cross was not the worst thing that Jesus went through. The worst thing that Jesus went through was leaving the glories of heaven to dwell in a cesspool with us. That was just the visible representation of it. Can you imagine living in perfection and coming here to be spit on and rejected and doubted and called a liar? Why would anybody do that? That's the worst part of it. He, and so Paul is talking. He said, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Why do I keep doing this? You know, it's really funny. You ever thought that? Let's just take a moment and dissect this. Have you ever thought that about your sin? You're like, man, why do I keep doing this? I know it's wrong, but I keep doing it. You ever said that about anything in your life? Right? So we know it's wrong. We don't want any part of it. But then on this voice over here, and we're going to get to this in a minute, says, well, I love my sin. Do you see those two can't it coexist? They cannot coexist. You can't say you love something you hate and both of them be true. Now we're in a real dilemma. I'm so glad you came this morning. Watch how this works. He says, I'm not practicing what I would like to do. In other words, I'm not living godly. What I'm being drawn to do, what I want to do, the service that I believe God has called me to, I'm not doing it. You ever been there before? Where you're like, really? I know what God wants. And I'm just, I'm holding back. I'm afraid. Or I don't trust that God's going to deliver or come through. Or I, I just... I know that there's so much freedom, but that feeds my flesh so much, I just keep doing it. And so he talks about that here. He talks about, I'm not doing that. We talk about this as Christians all the time. What we should be doing for the Lord that we're not doing, right? Well, he moves on. He says, I'm not practicing what I would like to do. I would, I would like to live God. So he goes and he says, I'm doing the very thing I hate. Right? I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Which, what do we think that would be? According to Paul. Thank you. Sin. I thought she said Santa for a minute. <laughs> Sin. How many of you, when you sin, just absolutely hate it? You're like, man, what did I do that for? I was so... Eh. But that's usually the after effect, right? It's usually after we do it. Not before. We don't hate it with the same passion. Before we do it, we're like, 
we start to justify, we go, wait a bit, it's just me. It's not going to affect anybody else. You know, it's just, this isn't cast negative on anybody. It's just me. And we go, oh, how could I listen to that after we do it? Because see, when you're a brand new creation in Christ, you cannot love sin. Well, you don't know me, Pastor. Maybe I don't. You can't love it. Because the Bible says then the love of the Father is not in you. But then why do I feel like I love it? That's a great question. Therein is some of the lies that we've been holding on to. So we're going to begin to dissect this. This is really cool how this starts to work out. So how does doing the thing that he does not want to do, sin, agree with the law confessing it's good? So if I sin, how does that make me agree with the law saying the law is good? That makes no sense, right? Well, let me show you how that works. Because... In the middle of his behavior, because he's doing the thing he doesn't, he's sinning, he realizes that sin does not produce what it promises, but God's word does. So in the middle of doing the wrong thing, he comes to the point where he says, God's word doesn't leave you in this situation the way sin does. So he's confessing that the law is good. As he comes to understand the deceptiveness of sin. Because sin tells you it's a better way. Sin says, man, this will feed you. This will make you feel better. And are those things true? Yeah, they are true. But they don't show you the afterstory. They don't show you what happens next. They don't show you what you missed out on. They don't show you how you've not redeemed your time or what God could have spoken to you about during that time. See, that's our dilemma. If we're saved and set free, why do we still sin at all? That's the dilemma. Well, hopefully we're going to begin to answer that this morning. So we're going to talk about the source of our sin. Why do we still sin? To answer that question, we have to discuss the source. See, Paul goes on in verses 17 through 20, and he says, Nothing good dwells in our flesh, only sin. Our flesh is still fallen. When we go to be with the Lord in heaven, we get a what? A new body. I have my order in. I want some improvements. <laughs> If the Lord comes in the next five minutes and the rapture happens while we're all here today, we will get a transformed body so we can be in the presence of the Lord. Because His body's not been redeemed yet. Our bodies are still dying. They're falling apart. I mean, look around. <laughs> They're falling apart. They creak and they ache and they hurt and we take pills to help them survive. We're putting band-aids on 
trying to survive and make it last as long as possible. You ever have shirts like that? It's like your favorite shirt, and it's almost in, in shirt shred heaven, but you wash it on the gentle cycle so it doesn't get ruined. Has anybody ever done that? No, no, thank you. But you, it's not one you'd ever wear out. Only at home. Yeah, Ken, I knew it wasn't just me. So nothing good dwells in our flesh. That was a little rabbit. Uh, Paul says here, he has the will to do what God wants, but is unable to do it in his flesh. He's unable to do it in his flesh. This is why spiritual advancement cannot be achieved by fleshly means. This is why trying harder only creates more repentance and more, we've got to have another revival. We've got to get you all revived up. We've got to get everybody dedicated to the Lord. Listen to me. Listen. A powerful speaker may excite your emotions for a moment, but that will fade. That will fade. If we don't get excited because of Jesus Christ and what he did, then the power of God is not going to flow through us. It's going to be about excitement and energy and emotion. And I'm not looking for excitement, energy, and emotion. I'm looking for dedication and being in love with Jesus Christ. And when we do, when we fall in, listen, when somebody's in love, they don't need no motivation. Flowers, candy, phone calls, time spent. What are you planning? Preparations, money. It's not an issue. They got it all. They ain't at all. And you don't even think about it. You don't hold any of that. The problem is, we really don't love Jesus the way we ought to. That's why we compromise. You cannot try harder to become a better Christian. You know that? You trust harder. You rest into it. You listen harder. You obey harder. You don't do it by just, I'm going to, see, we live in the, in the American culture. We just grit it up, right? I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm going to overcome. That was already done for us. Wasn't Jesus the one who overcame? Can we overcome sin on our own? He did what we could not do, but now we're trying to do it. Does that make any sense? And the church is culpable in this problem. We're going to help you overcome and manage your sin. Let me tell you something. Jesus already did that for you. So he set you free for a reason. You know, there was a, a, a movie. This may date me. Some of the young people may not even know what I'm talking about. There was a movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding. You remember that one? Do you all remember? <laughs> How many of you have never heard of that movie? <laughs> they're, they're all under 16 <laughs> there's a moment where the mother and the daughter are sitting on the bed and she's worried about disappointing the father like we do and she asks she's talking to her mom she says dad upset and the mom talks to her and she says listen I gave you life so you can live it go live your life God set us free so we could go live for Him. 
He didn't set us free to put us into more bondage, into more law. Boy, we do such people such a disservice when they come to faith in Christ. They're like, what do I do now? And we start giving them a list. Go read John. Pray every day. Do all this. And the first time they don't do that, what happens? They feel like they failed. You know what I found? If you get out of the way of a new Christian, their fire is burning so hot, they're going to burn, they're going to light everybody else's fire around them. And the sad thing is, is those of us who've been a Christian for a while, we ought to be lighting them. Our fire ought to be stoked. It ought to be burning white hot. You know, an old fire in the middle is no longer yellow, it's white. Have you noticed that? It ought to be white hot because we've grown more and more and more in love with Him. So spiritual advancement cannot be achieved by fleshly means, so we need to cut that out. Notice that he does not want the evil he does. What about you? If, you, if there's, if, I'm a, <laughs> if any of you have a sin that you've been struggling with, if I were to snap my fingers and that would go away, how many of you wish I would do that? I have the power right now to make that happen. I'm about to snap. Do you want your sin to go away when I do that? How many of you felt relieved when you heard that? Right? But I want you to know this. It's not the snap of my fingers that did it. It's when Jesus said it's finished. And when you said yes. It's when you said yes. See, we don't... We all sit here and we say we love our sin, but we also say we don't want anything to do with it. How could you not want to have something to do with something you love? Because the truth is, we don't really love it. You can't. And so yet, we use the... <laughs> Listen, the idea that you love our sin is a deception that the enemy's woven into our minds. He's woven it into mine too. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not exempt. We have to say that's not true. I don't really love the thing I think I love. I want you to think about that right now. Whatever your issue is, think in your mind, I don't really love that. That's the truth. That may seem foreign, but it's true. And so our flesh is what drives us to sin, not a sin nature. Your flesh does. You're, and you'll see that in just a moment. You're not the source of your sin, but you are responsible because you give in to your flesh. You can't say, well, it's the sin in me that does it, so I'm good, and it's all the sin's fault. You can't blame me. You ever notice that in conversation states all about blaming and assigning whose fault it is? We try to find identity and value by being right. Let me, let me ask you. Ooh, I think I'm going to hit a chord here. I'm going to be in trouble, but I live in trouble, so. If you were right all the time, would that make you a better person? 
If you were wrong all the time, would that make you a worse person? But we behave that way, son, don't we? I am who God made me to be. How many of you have weaknesses? How many of you have strengths? How many of you try to surrender your weaknesses to the Lord and ask Him to, to turn them into strengths? <laughs> right? How many of you surrendered your strengths to the Lord and asked Him to use it for His glory? Wow. Hello? God made you the way you are. He made you weak in some areas. It could be for one of two reasons. He may not want to use you there. Or it may be that when God does use you, it's going to be in an area of your weakness. And there will be no chance you'll take credit because it happened in an area of your weakness. Why don't we take how God made us with the strengths he gave us as a collective, as a group, as a body, as New Life Baptist Church. And come down and surrender those to the Lord to be used for His glory. Can you imagine? Instead of depending on them for what we want, we let God use them and empower them for the reason He gave them to us. What a concept. Maybe we would stop struggling <laughs> as much as we struggle. But the reason that we struggle is we're struggling against our flesh. But then he discovers this principle. And boy, I've heard this mistreated also. He says, Paul says this. He discovered a principle that evil, in present, evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. And so here's how it works. The inner man concurs with the law of God, the redeemed part of us, our spirit. Kikura says, yes, that's right, that's right. See, we have to push through this. If we don't, we're going to stay in the same place. We can have another revival, but it ain't going to help you. The inner man knows what God wants. We know it. Let's just ask the question. How many of you know some things that God wants that you're not doing? Thank you. My hand's up. There's things I know God wants. I'm not doing them. So we know our inner man already knows. You just admitted it. So did I. So in our inner man, it concurs with the law of God. We know that that's right. We know that people need the Lord. We know that God wants to talk to us. And the joy of having that communicate. Would prayer be would prayer be cooler if God would speak to you? Right? You say, you know, Lord, I've just been having a rough day. And all of a sudden you heard, Yeah, I know you're having a rough day. I kind of know why too. Well, why, Lord? Why am, I why am I having a rough day? Well, and then he goes on to explain why you're... Would that be the coolest thing? Yeah. You realize that's available now? And you know why? I'm going to tell you why God stopped speaking to Christians. 
Because we stop responding to him. Is the last time that he spoke to you when he said you need to be saved? Because if you're a Christian, you had to have heard that call. I'm going to challenge you. This could change us completely. Get ready. I'm going to challenge you to do this. Say, Lord, if you speak it, I'll do it. If you show me, I'll treasure it. But let me know you. Y'all willing? Now it could be. The really cool thing is, there's some things that are really painful, but when you engage with God, He does it in such a graceful way that it gets through, it gets past all of those walls you've built up. Because you all have them. We have walls that are built up in our lives. We wall off our sins so that we can keep it for ourselves so nobody sees it. It's all about me. This is mine. You can't have this. You can't have my vulnerability. You can't have... That makes me uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to excuse it as that, well, this is just how I am. You ever done that one? I told you I'm going to get in trouble, but I just really don't care. And so in the inner man, it concurs with the law of God. That's the redeemed part. But the flesh concurs with the law of sin because it's still fallen. It says, yes, go and do it. Live the gusto. And it even lies like the devil lied to Eve in the garden and tells you there's something you can do to be more like God. Wasn't that the lie? In the day you eat of it, you'll be what? Like God, knowing good and evil. So he sells this idea of effort to be like God. It's been going on since the garden and we get sucked right into it. There's, God's word says he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, right? Is that true scripturally? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. So why are we still seeking it? Why don't we believe him? It's ridiculous. And then we wonder why there's no power. When we don't believe God at his word, we will live life without power, ladies and gentlemen. Either we accept it and say, that settles it because he said it. I used to, man, there was a phrase, this was going along. This was in Baptist circles for a while. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Y'all remember that one? Boy, what a bunch of bunk that is. God said it. That settles it, whether you believe it or not. Who's in charge here? God or me? That's the problem, you know. <laughs> the problem is we put ourselves in charge. The principle within is that our flesh is drawn to the law of sin and the inner man is drawn to the law of God. And the only reason we're a prisoner is because we can't escape this flesh. However, boy, I love the howevers. However, God has set us free by giving us the power to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
We're free from I do not have to give in to what my flesh wants by surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Your flesh is going to want a lot of things. It wants self You know what? You know what where lies come from? Well, the father of all lies. But they're usually self-preservation, right? Kids don't answer, okay? When you've lied to your parents, why did you do it? So you don't get in trouble, right? Adults, isn't that why we lied to our parents? Of course, I never did that. Uh oh. I have to stay after now. <laughs> That's why lies are told. Self-preservation. Say, well, we didn't want to hurt their feelings. No, you didn't want your relationship with them to be damaged. I'll tell you what, a lie will damage a relationship faster than the truth ever will. Right? That is true. But that seems counterintuitive. See, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. And the things that the enemy does to try to destroy our lives are going to make sense to us. But if we don't know the book, if we don't know what it says, then we're going to fall into those things. And then we're going to wonder where the power is and where God is and how come he's not speaking. We've got to understand the struggle, ladies and gentlemen. And if we're going to do that, there's a few things we have to realize. We'll leave you with some tools in your toolbox. We have to realize that we're not alone in our struggles. You're not alone. Now, you don't have to raise your hands on this one. How many of you, with the sin that the enemy tries to tempt you with regularly, he scares you by saying, really, or with the thought, of, don't tell anyone, if they find out, they'll think less of you. Right? I'm going to think less of you if you tell me your sin. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Because sin is common to man. You know what I, I know goes on? Let's just get it out in the open. Uh-oh. Turn the lights up. James, James, now James is facing temptation. <laughs> Lying, breaking the law, speeding, gluttony, pornography. Temptation. Men, adultery. If you think about her in your heart, you've already done it. The Bible says you're an adulterer. We don't want to talk about these things because it's embarrassing. But the Bible says if you confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And women don't do it by looks. They do it by words. How he made me feel. What he said to me. How important he made me feel. And it goes from there. Doubting God. Well, 
you know, I'm really confident in this, but I'm not sure God's going to pull through for me. What if he leads me out and lets me hang out there on the on a limb? And so I'm going to hedge my bets a little. I'm going to trust God, but my weight's going to be back here, but I'm going to trust God out there. I'm, yeah, I'm in, but I'm not really in. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. The sin that the enemy tells you is only yours and nobody knows and it's private and it's this little thing and you're, you don't like it, you're embarrassed about it, you wish nobody knew about it and you hope nobody knows about it is common. It's common. Theft, it's only a pen. Talk to your employer who's got a, a line item about office supplies and buys pens if it's only just a pen. Listen, if you need a pen, go to your bank. They give them out for free. You know, we have to stop playing games. We, we, people are dying. People are missing every day that they don't have a chance to receive the gospel because nobody's going. They're dying every day. They're not dying... They will die eventually, and their choices will be over at that point. But they're dying when they're separated from God. They're dying every day because they're missing out on everything God has for them on those days. And we need to see people as perishing who don't know the Lord. We think about perish as we die, as, we, as our body gives in. But they are dying. They are missing it. They're, doesn't that bother you? Doesn't that bother you? That your friends are missing out on knowing Jesus Christ? Yeah, but if I share Jesus with them, they may not be my friend anymore. You ever had that thought? Come on. Don't sit there and look all churchy to me. Because that's just going to fire me up. Let's go longer. <laughs> well, if I tell... Listen... If, if I was drowning and my friend had a life ring and he didn't throw it to me, he ain't my friend. You keep telling yourself, they ain't going to be my friend no more. You know what? Tell them anyway. And if they walk away from you, they're walking away from Jesus. You know, you're born in this world without a single friend. Did you know that? Every friend you have, you've made them. Go ahead and make some new friends. But you don't know me. I'm really shy. Shy people have friends too. They attract other shy people. It's like this corner of shy people. And this is kind of how it goes. It's kind of like, hey. Hey. Not a lot of conversation, but until they get to know each other. And then it's all open because they trust one another. And so you're not in this alone. The enemy tries to isolate us from one another and from everything God has for us. Welcome to the crowd, ladies and gentlemen. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. I'll say this. There have been some very brave people I've known in ministry that have owned their sin. And those people today that have done that are free. 
they're free. The enemy tried to bind them up. They followed God's word, and that's behind them now. It's a really cool thing. So we have to realize that we're not alone in our struggles. We have to realize spiritual advancement will never be achieved by fleshly means. God does not want your effort. He wants you. When he has you, he'll lead you into the work he wants you to do. If you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your... Right. I think it was a conversation last Sunday that we were having about following the Lord and about Him moving as you seek Him as you put... Oh, it was Samson. Was it Samson? Yeah, the one that was most wise. I'm trying to remember. And he said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all of it. Because Solomon, I knew it was an S... This is blanking out. Solomon, thank you. Because it's, yeah, Samson's a whole other story. Samson, I used to confuse Noah and Moses too. And I figured out how to do it. Noah, like no or. No or, Noah. That's how I remember things. Samson, no. Solomon, pray for wisdom. And because he asked for that, because he wanted to know him and what, how he saw things, he had got everything else. Because that's what comes with wisdom. We want everything without God. But it don't work that way. It don't work that way. Our spiritual advancement is more surrender. And as we do that, we get to see what God wants. We have to realize that the difference between <laughs> the difference between loving sin and enjoying the momentary pleasure it provides. There is a difference in saying I love my sin or I enjoy the pleasure that it gives. Because if sin doesn't have any pleasure, it's not going to have any attraction for us. I mean, right? You can play games all you want. You can do that somewhere else. We're not going to play games here. Sin is fun. For a moment. Bible said there's pleasure in sin for a season. And if there wasn't, who would do it? It'd be like poking yourself in the eye with a needle. That's, I'm not, is anybody tempted to do that? <laughs> no, because there's no pleasure in it. And so sin attaches to pleasure. And then it attaches to identity and need. That's how it works. It's clinging like that. And so we have to be careful. You're not alone. You're not going to advance by self-effort. And because sin is fun does not mean you love it. Doesn't mean you love it. That's the truth. You know, there was a... 
there was a couple that attended a marriage seminar dealing with communication. You, you guys probably never had that problem. But uh, this guy, Tom and his wife, Grace, not this Tom, but Tom and his wife, Grace, had listened to the instructor, although Debbie's full of grace, said, the, the instructor said, it was essential that husbands and wives know each other's likes and dislikes. And so Tom was sitting there and his wife was next to him. And he said, Tom. Then we love to be called out in class like that. Tom, what is your wife's favorite flower? And Tom leans over to his wife and he says, it's Pillsbury, isn't it? <laughs> When we don't understand the truth, guessing can get us in trouble. When we don't understand the truth, guessing can get us in trouble. You better know the truth, folks. That's why we're struggling out there. Because we don't know what God's Word has said about who we are. Don't simply guess at why you're struggling. Learn the truth. You're struggling because your flesh wants something and there's some pleasure in it. But there's also a huge cost that sin doesn't show you up front. See, the truth is, we're actually free right now. Some of us just don't know it. You know the sin you think you can't escape? You've already escaped it. No, I haven't. Anybody hear that? Yes, you have. I'll argue with that voice. Yeah, you have. As Jesus said, if I've set you free, you're free indeed. You're free. You don't have to live those behavioral patterns. You don't have to live under the trap that the enemy set for you. See, when we start living based upon truth, our entire life, our entire Christian life will open up. I challenge you this week. Say, Lord, if you show me, I'll do it. If you speak to me, let me know you. I prayed that prayer once, and that's how I got into church. <laughs> I said, Lord, if you open a door, I'll go through it. You want to hear the story? It's a terrible story. I was young. I was looking for a girlfriend, as young men do. And I couldn't find one anywhere. I was alone. And the Lord had begun to deal with me because I was out of church. And he said, do you remember when you were closer to me? And I said, yes. And he said, you need to return. And I said, okay. And he said, and you need to do this and this. And I did both those two things. And he said, you need to go to church Sunday night. My parents thought, you're going to church on Sunday night? <laughs> I would still remember the look my father gave me. It's kind of like when he was giving me a minute ago when I said that I didn't never tell a lie. And I went, and the, the church that we were going to had about 1,500 seats. And I decided I was going to be inconspicuous by sitting in the middle. Well, there was only like 200 people there. <laughs> so I was extremely conspicuous. And I was in college, and this lady comes up to me. She's the college and career uh, coordinator. And she goes, you look college age. And I said, I am. She hands me this flyer. She said, 
we're having a dating seminar. We'd love for you to come. <laughs> and the Lord, when I'm sitting there, he said to me, he said, there's your door. And I went through it and I never looked back. When you obey, the doors open. When you follow and when you hear his voice and you do what he says, the doors open. The other stuff, the rest of it, this is just fluff and stuff. But when we start saying yes to him as he speaks, his voice does not grow weary. And it doesn't grow hoarse either. He's very clear. I met some of the coolest friends I have today because I said yes. Question is, will you say yes this morning? Are you tired of just, are you tired of being exhausted in the Christian walk, trying to make it? There's a better way. His name is Jesus. And if you'll trust him, but he's going to take all this. No, he's not. He's going to give more than he ever takes. I like friends that I can give them a dollar and they give me five dollars, right? We need some friends like that. That's what Jesus is. Whatever you give, he always gives more. I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid anymore. Don't be bound up anymore. Don't struggle anymore. It's time to lay that stuff down because this world needs to see people who are dedicated and sold out to Jesus Christ because it's hard to find. And I believe it's here. I know you folks, most of you. And I know your hearts. And I'm honored to call you my brothers and sisters. And I want to do this with you on my right and on my left. And I want to be in there and I want to be accountable to you. And just like we are to each other. You know, we went out in a flyer yesterday. We had a flyer, I don't know if you remember it in the bulletin. It was just me and Terry. It's kind of how we started. At first we were a little disappointed, to be honest, if I'm honest. But then this really cool thing happened. We got out there and it was refreshing to us. That's how this church started, was flying in bandit signs. I met one guy over here yesterday. It's about obedience, folks. And it's not, you will obey, it's the joy of obedience. And so as he leads you, as he speaks to you in your life, wherever you are, whatever it is, whatever the thing is, you ever had those fleeting thoughts, I need to call somebody or contact them, or I should say hi, should send a thank you letter, and you just blow them off? Start responding to that. I think that's the Holy Spirit beginning to work. We, we wonder, well, he doesn't sort of speak to me. He, why would he? You don't ever do anything he says. Start responding to that. I started doing that. I had, I've had some of the most amazing, in the last couple of weeks, I had some of the most amazing conversations I've ever had. It's been joyful and sad at the same time. Because I'm sad that I missed out on it all along. <laughs> and some of it's scary. Some of it's relationships that have fallen along the wayside. 
That's here now. We're getting now. You're getting into meddling, Pastor. Yeah, Holy Spirit's good at that. <laughs> I'd encourage you, please, please, just say yes to Him. I'm going to say everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.